Hi, everyone. I just want to have a little moment just to talk to you because I am fully aware of what's been happening in America. We've all been affected by the ruling against Roe versus Wade, and it's been a massive disappointment and a massive step back. Hopefully, if you're listening to a sex podcast, you're in support of abortions and a woman's right to choose. There are plenty of things you can do. For a start, you can donate to abortion funds to make sure that people in America can get to places where they can have an abortion safely. And also make sure you write to your MP if you are in the UK. And I'm sure there's plenty of other petitions you can sign. But in the meantime, hopefully this is a bit of fun just to help break through the clouds. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. (laughs) Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a pelvic floor is where the swimming pool is. Surprise! Welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is, of course, your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be finding out why we can expect a cheat wave in July, chatting to Dr. Extraordinaire Nand Patel about embarrassing bodies and sexual function, and finding out what smuttery you'd get up to in surgery after you filled my inbox with your medical fetishes. And I hope you're ready because it is getting hot in here so take off all your clothes and put on some sunscreen maybe a sensible fact of it hello my little smut droppers how are you how are you coping you're right in this hit yeah it's a bit warm isn't it oh yeah toasty in the last few weeks part of the uk has soared to over 30 degrees but it turns out that as temperatures rise so do our sex drives as the delightful ellen scott says for metro.co.uk ellen has been speaking to people over at affairs site illicit encounters about why we can expect a cheat way a cheat wave. What a word. I love it. In July. So the team at Illicit Encounters say that signups for their site see a rise of 18% in July. Cheaters grab one last chance for action before they head away on holidays in August, apparently. They've even got it down to one day. So they say that the most dangerous day is Friday the 22nd of July. They've called it Frisky Friday because apparently this is the last day before the school holidays arrive and families start heading off abroad. Oh, I can imagine it, can't you? It's the sun. All those warm, sultry dusks, lots of lovely tan skin on show. Oh, delightful. I'm finding it hard to control myself as a singleton, let alone someone about to be trapped on a two week all inclusive in Toro Vieca with the kids. So before you go to the pub with your friends for one last drink before we head off, yeah, we all know that one, just remember there is always the chance of stumbling and accidentally falling on top of a penis. And actually, the chance of being drunk and the chance just, uh, you know, coming up is one of the top reasons why both men and women cheat. But as Ellen quite rightly points out, if someone is going to be cheating, then they'll do it regardless of the weather all the time of the year. And if you want to know the warning signs that someone is cheating on you, head over to metro.co.uk. 
Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays, according to a recent survey conducted by Love Honey, 24% of people in the UK have never spoken to a medical professional about a condition affecting their sexual health. This includes 32% of men who thought they have erectile dysfunction, and a third of the women had problems with incontinence. So how do we control our bodies and reclaim our sexual confidence? Fortunately, this week's guest is here to discuss just that. He's a specialist in men's health in Harley Street and a doctor for Channel 4's Embarrassing Bodies. He's everyone's new favourite superhero of sexual function. It's Dr Anand Patel. Hello, Dr Anand. Miranda, honestly, that is possibly the nicest introduction I've ever heard. I would like a recording of that and I will literally have it as my ring phone. <laughs> Anytime. It's a little old sex worker trick. We like to make everyone very comfortable by tickling their balls, first of all, and then we can crack on. I, th- I feel very tickled and potentially moist. <laughs> That's just perfect. Thanks so much. Good. Just the way I like them. (laughs) First of all, I want to go to sexual function. So what is sexual function? That's not a phrase that we hear very often. No, yeah, I think lots of people here like sexual health and they think about STIs and things like that and you know, sexually transmitted infections, etc. And that's obviously very important. Uh, you know, lots of our young people, well, lots of people have uh, sex STIs. Uh, STIs are very prominent, for example, in 16, 25 year olds and also in 50 year olds and above, uh, because as people come out of relationships, they seem to be having sex and forgetting the condom. <laughs> uh, but actually, uh, so, but sexual function is about getting it up, getting it in, enjoying yourself orgasming, lubricating, all of the good stuff. Um, And so because that can be a problem at any time of life, then you're going to realise that actually these things really matter to us. Um, Sexual function is so important for our well-being. Uh, They did a few studies on what an erection kind of means to a man. And they found that actually if you're if a man's not having sex regularly or is and and that's a problem for him, he's likely to be 20 to 40 percent less economically viable and useful to the country. No. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not, we're, if our willies don't work, us boys are quite useless, <laughs> it seems. So uh, part of my job is 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 trying to help people have sex um, uh, uh, or whatever form of sex they wish to have, because sometimes it's unpartnered, solo play, and people just would like to have a slightly harder willy. I've had patients in their 80s and 90s going, I don't have a partner. It's just, it's a bit floffy and I'd rather not have a soft wank. And they're like, fine mm. let's sort that out for you um and then you've got couples who have had difficulty getting pregnant or something like that just because you know it, it might sound really exciting trying to get pregnant but obviously after the first few weeks of kind of going right it's you know it's it's three o'clock mm. i'm ovulating get yeah. on sometimes the excitement wears off and so just managing that both psychologically and and physically can be an issue uh, but yeah, lots of people. That, so sexual function is so I call it sexual function rather than dysfunction because a lot of the time it's normalising mm. it for people. It's telling people that actually this is okay. Or yes, you can't get an erection occasionally when you're really stressed or when you've had loads to drink. Well, that's normal, so don't worry about that bit. Perhaps you do need to think about investigating your heart, your thyroid function, or something like that because if you've got a particular sexual problem, or maybe you've got diabetes that's affecting your health, um, your weight, or whatever it is that's causing the problem, and that's where we can absolutely sort of add value. And I have seen the dead look in someone's eyes when they've had to go through fertility, and this is the man. He doesn't have to do anything, but he ended up a broken man after a month of it. So I, I can totally see. Well, he has to do 
supposed to do something. Even if it's just propulsion, he has to yeah, do a little bit yeah, of something. Yeah, yeah, the inertia. It, it, can get, it goes. Um, so when, but you're the doctor who teaches other doctors about sexual function, aren't you? Yes. So, yeah, so in, in, our, in our university training, we get virtually no training in sexual function or dysfunction. We might get maybe, I don't know, half an hour on erectile problems, etc. But it's that's about it in five years. Then you get through hospital training. It's not really going to focus on your erections. They're more bothered about whether your arm's hanging on or off mm. or whether you're having a heart attack. And then if you get into uh, GP training, then actually, uh, I, uh, you know, I want to be the person that's training you, not just me. There are other people available. But actually, I, well, I didn't realise much about sexual function until I'd gone through um, GP training. I was out the other side and went on this amazing um, psychosexual uh, residential where we spent two days with an incredible psychosexual therapist called Victoria Lehman, who just taught us all about sex and how to have conversations about sex and vaginismus and painful sex and orgasms and sex toys uh, and all this kind of stuff and I was just like this is the most incredible topic why are we not talking about this all the time constantly uh, and now I basically sort of, uh, work for the Centre for Men's Health in, in central London uh, and do testosterone deficiency and sexual problems and all this kind of stuff but yeah I also train doctors in it because they just don't get taught and I want them to know about it and I want them to be able to talk to their patients about it sensibly and comfortably and not shy away from difficult conversations you know also people to kind of go wait well let's be practical about this it's not just enough to talk it's like well how do we improve the situation you know what tips do we have what medications can you take what sex toys can you use basically the full package you know what mental health issues are there that kind of are surrounding this in not such a helpful way uh, and how do we unpick that so, and i'm not saying that there's Doctors, we can do all of that. The amazing sort of uh, college of sex and relationship therapists are incredible at having the longer term view and able to kind of help uh, patients really work their way through it. And it's so insane that there isn't like so much more about sexual function and sexual health when it comes to training doctors. Like, you know, I, I, God, that, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm feeling I'm feeling very Spider-Man or Superman or whichever superhero needs to fit in here. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, just don't start squirting shit out your wrists. <laughs> I was wondering where that sentence was going to end. I'm glad it ended in the way it did. Thanks. <laughs> I want to know. You were talking there about how sex toys can help with sexual function, and you're working with Love Honey with this new health range. And yep. um, so this is a set, you've got Kegel bells, you've got penis pump, you've got uh, penis bumpers. I would never want to be promoting or suggesting anything that was absolutely useless. You know, you're thinking, actually, this this is not, you know, uh, this, this is not some Bruce Forsyth game show. Yeah. This is actually stuff that's really helpful uh, and, and made of materials that aren't going to you know, soak up the juices the wrong way and that you can wash. And... Um, so <laughs> I wanted to talk to you because we were talking to a urologist a few weeks ago and he was mentioning about the pelvic floor and love, honey, you've got this penis pump and he's like, there's nothing that can extend an erection. So with the penis pump, um, is it that it's something that, that can help with erectile dysfunction or is it something that's more, uh, I don't know, a stretchy thing? I'm, I, I want to know. <laughs> 
No, these are very good questions. It's very because obviously, I mean, vacuum pump devices kind of fell out of vogue since sort of the the 90s, really. Yeah. So lots of people haven't ever heard of them, or if they have heard of them, it was on Austin Powers, and it was always with a sense of shame or embarrassment. Yes. However, they're incredibly useful devices because all they really do. Sorry, I shall. Here's one I didn't prepare. Oh, go on, Joan Rivers. Go on, get it it's up. So disappointing. I don't have the vacuum pump. I have all of the other ones. I didn't oh, yeah, get you, one of the vacuum pumps. You don't pump. have the vacuum pump. Upstairs in his bedroom, isn't it? <laughs> it? It's in my used drawer. No, no, I just don't. I'm sorry. I, I decided <laughs> I don't have it with me. But the idea is that basically you've got, uh, you, you pop your willy in basically what is a tube. Um, and it's got a little um, a disc at the bottom, which is going to be your penile constrictor ring. It's like a cock ring, basically. It's like a tight polo of, of silicon that wraps around the base of your willy and holds the blood in. Because sometimes the problem some people have is the speed at which blood goes into the willy is slower than the speed at which it's okay. coming out. So it just deflates. So if we can basically uh, blow up your willy like a balloon uh, using the vacuum pump device. So the idea is that you've got a little um, a shuttle on the outside of this plastic tube and you move the shuttle backwards and forwards to generate a vacuum and that will suck mm. blood into the penis, okay. enlarging it. Now, not not beyond what yeah. it would normally hold, um, but it basically makes it longer and thicker as, as to your physical maximum size. And then you've got the little donut ring of silicon at the bottom, which snaps down onto the base of your willy, not snaps, just closes, doesn't snap. Um, but just make sure you've uh, trimmed because you need to do make sure you've done your, your sort of uh, manscaping there um, uh, or, or penisscaping because the idea is if you've got silicon uh, band wrapping onto it, it's like an elastic band snapping onto your pubes, which is never very comfortable. Oh my God, no. And, and not as sexy as you bounce up and down going, ah! um, to your partner, that's probably not the most elegant way of starting as sexual. <laughs> Anyway, so the, what the vacuum pipe does, by, by pulling blood into it, it avoids drugs. So there are some people, you know, I think lots of people have heard of uh, sort of uh, performance enhancing medications such as Viagra, Cialis, Levitra. There's a whole host of them. And I think um, uh, Viagra is now over, available over the counter and it's one of the biggest selling drugs across Europe. Mm. So it's, it, it's, it's being used by people. They're getting off the Internet. They're buying fake versions. They're buying herbal versions. And actually, they're using it to you know, improve blood flow to the penis. But actually, there's lots of people that can't use it or don't want to use drugs. Yeah. And so this penis pump allows you to do that in a sort of physical, manual way with avoiding medication. There are certain groups of people that can't use it. So, for example, if you're on blood thinners like aspirin, something like that, unfortunately, if you try and suck blood in and, and you, you know, and you have something tight on the penis, you could cause some bleeding or bruising. Mm. Um, and you really don't want sort of like a sort of blood clot in a or a bleeding penis. That would be a less than ideal. Yeah. Um, and equally, you can only keep the uh, penile constrictor ring on for a maximum of 30 minutes because you don't want the blood to clot in there. Also, I've got shit to do. So after 30 minutes. Well, talking about that, the average length of time from uh, like insertion of the penis to ejaculation in heterosexual couples in a study by Waldinger was uh, 5.4 minutes. So, yeah, literally half an hour. You could probably have had sex twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, and cleaned up. Perfect. <laughs> Had a shower, made some toast. Look, we could just come up with our own like sex tip book. <laughs> this is it. How to do it practically. A practical guide. <laughs> Done. I also heard I got a little tip as well, because when I saw you talking, you mentioned the little magic little muscle in your body. And we've also heard about it from previous guests as well. The pelvic floor. Yes. One of my favourite floors. Love I love a ground floor. I love a top floor. Love a pelvic floor. <laughs> well, it didn't. Well, obviously, it didn't used to be a floor, did it? It used to be a back wall because we used to be walking on all fours, and so actually, it was kind of a back wall. 
And as such, it, it's, ah. it's having to carry a lot of weight now because it's got to carry all of our pelvic organs yeah. as we stand upright. Equally, it's got to let our poo go through it. Um, and it's also got to let, well, potentially a baby go through it, but uh, depending on uh, you know, what, what organs you have. Um, so actually, it can get quite stretched. Um, and like all muscles, if yeah. you train them, then they are actually more functional. If you leave them to their own devices and let them get wrecked, um, uh, either by lack of use or by, for example, misuse, um, then what can happen is, unfortunately, mm. the muscles don't contract very well uh, and this wall can sag a bit. Okay. And if this wall, this, this sort of basement is now sagging, sadly, the internal organs that were being held up now sag as well. Right. And so, uh, so for example, if you've got a vagina, um, the, the bowel can sag into the vagina, the, the, the womb can descend into the vagina, causing a prolapse, or you can have the bladder moving as well. And so uh, you know, pelvic floor exercise kind of hoik all of this stuff back up, improving you know, uh, function in terms of uh, passing urine, improving your uh, bowel function uh, and, and can improve your sex life. So what's not to love? What about for men? Can it can it really improve their their erection? We heard that it doesn't elongate, but it can. So so when you contract, so there about a third of the penis is actually within the body. Mm. So the start of the penis is within the body, and then the last bit of it just pokes out rather embarrassingly. <laughs> um, and so that and, that and that first root bit obviously has got the pelvic floor nearby. So when you contract the pelvic floor, it squeezes near there, and that can squeeze more blood into the penis, and it can also lift it up a bit. Um... So it gives you a kind of bit more sort of a, a tension. Um, equally, it gives you a bit more filling, and it also in some people allows them to control their sexual enjoyment because um, the pelvic floor movement in people um, actually uh, is recognized by the brain as one of it's kind of interpreted as a sign of a good orgasm so it, so when people orgasm off there's kind of two separate processes one's what's happening in your genitals and the rest of the body and two is the cerebral event of orgasm which is enjoyed in the brain only cerebral event brilliant yes it's a good kind of cerebral event <laughs> not a kind of stroke kind of cerebral <laughs> i know there's stroking happening somewhere <laughs> This is fantastic. So, yes, there probably is. So the, you've got the vinegar strokes happening down there. And what's happening is, is that your pelvic floor is, is, is bouncing up and down. You've got curly fingers and curly toes, hopefully as well. Um, carpopedal spasm, as it's known, curly toes, which people get when they're enjoying uh, sort of that, that moment. Now, information is going up the spinal cord to the brain going, this is quite jolly. <laughs> so interpret this as pleasure. And so you get the sense of orgasm. Now, the more the amplitude, often the more fun you feel. Now, if you've got damaged pelvic floor or you've got a weak pelvic floor, then you might not really get the amplitude okay. of movement. And so in the brain, you might get, oh, that was nice. Oh. Maybe we should have a cup of tea. So if you can have a good pelvic floor and good pelvic floor movement, not only is it going to hold the organs where they should be, but actually equally, it may well increase your enjoyment of sexual pleasure. You'll be able to also be able to do some squeezing. So you know, if, if, if you've got, you know, for example, if you've got a vagina and a penis is coming in and you want to do a mm. bit of squeezing as it goes in and out, that can be fun for both of you. Um, so actually having a good pelvic floor allows that because the pelvic floor is kind of shaped like, shaped mm. like a figure eight. And you've got the bottom part wrapped around your anus and you've got the top part wrapped around your vagina. So if you can train them, then actually you are controlling, you're in much more control of your bowels and much more control of your uh, vagina or you know, penis. Do you think if we put some lovely relaxing music on underneath this part, you could give us a guided meditation in how to exercise our pelvic floor muscles? <laughs> 
Well, I can have a go. Go on, go on. We're gonna we're gonna put some nice little bingly bingly music. Do you want me to do the ASMR version? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. You know. <laughs> so if, if if you're if we are all sat comfortably. Mm-hmm. Oh, is sitting is sitting a good position for pelvic? However you want to do it, however makes it work for you. So you can be sitting, you can be lying down. So if you're sitting, so the idea is to try and squeeze the part of your body um, that allows you to stop weeing. So when I squeeze, I'm squeezing the bit. I feel it in two places. I feel it just behind my balls in my perineum, which is where my pelvic floor is. But also, interesting, I feel the contraction in the tip of my willy. So people will feel differently, and that's why I'm not saying what it will feel like for you. That's just what it feels like for me, right? So if you're doing that squeeze that you know will stop you having a pee, then you hold that for a few seconds. Find your place that allows you to stop weeing and squeeze that gently. Hold, 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 relax. Take a couple of breaths and then squeeze again and hold for five seconds. Five and relax. And now you do this up to 15 times because you don't want to overwork the pelvic floor because it, like any muscle, it can get tired. So you want to basically just try and do this one, maybe once or twice a day. You could be on the tube, you could be, I don't know, making some dinner, or if you wanted to, you could actually use some weights. Um, and, and, and for example, as you, um, as you go up the scale of, of, of ability, so start off without the weights, you know, uh, just basically you're just holding your, you're, you're holding your pelvic floor, squeezing as if you're not, you're trying to stop yourself weird, mm. uh, and then release and you do that 15 times. Once you've done that for a week or so, you're probably ready to move to the next mm. level. No, but the, the, the idea is that um, sometimes our bodies are not necessarily the most glamorous places in the world. So some, if, we, if we go with, with, with women, um, like between 10 and 60 percent of women, I know it's a, it sounds like a really wide range, but it's because of the different studies. So it's a different proportion of them will have incontinence in their lives. OK, and up to 50 percent of women are incontinent for at least a year after they've delivered. to to a lesser degree and it may be urge incontinence where you've got to really run for the loo or it could be stress incontinence where you cough or you sneeze and a bit comes out the problem with this is that up of the you know let's say let's say around 40 percent of of women have got this uh some form of incontinence um unfortunately up to 50 percent of those women will actually have what's called climacturia which means that they will unfortunately leak urine when they orgasm now up to 40% of women who have climacteria, so leak um, uh, urine when they orgasm, avoid sex entirely. Oh. So I know it's like 40% of 40% of 40%, but actually that's still quite a lot of people yeah. who are entirely avoiding sex because their pelvic floor has been off. I mean, it's usually pregnancy um, that, may, that may have caused the problem, but it can also be nerve problems. So uh, if there's any sort of neurological problem, diabetes can damage your pelvic floor because it damages both blood vessels and nerves. So, or medica- you know, there's lots of, sorry, actually not so much medication, but there's a few things that can do it. And because all of those things are quite common in women, they're unfortunately more likely to have those pelvic floor problems. I've got two questions. One, is that what we're seeing like in porn when you see women gushing? Is that what 
that is. So, so, so gushing. So, uh, I mean, I think everyone's watched a lot of Sex in the City and a lot of porn. Well, probably more porn now, less Sex in the City. <laughs> but in Sex in the City, you know, Samantha was talking about squirting mm. and about female ejaculation, and everyone got on that bandwagon going, "Why am I not squirting? Mm. What's wrong with me?" And you're like, "Well, they did, they did, they basically did this lovely study." And I, I love, I love, I love sexual medicine science because it's just. Who decided, you know, it's a really sensible, but who decided, that's what I'm going to check out today. Does fisting cause an orgasm? <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, actually, there are some people it does because it stimulates another pathway. But that's beside the point. So they did a study where they basically checked the fluid that came out of these women that said that they were squirting. Mm. And they found in all of them it was urine. Oh. So you can, so, so as you're, as women are aroused, as or, or people with vaginas are aroused, uh, basically the, uh, you, because of the increased blood flow to the genitals, you will make your own lubricant. So actually the light, the, basically the, the walls of the, um, the vagina become leaky and they produce a, a sort of thin um, uh, sort of lubricant, which is really you know, helpful during sex, keeps, gets you wet, gets you, you know, keeps you lubricated. So actually the penis doesn't cause damage or irritation and it's fun for mm. you. So that's all positive. Now, obviously, if you're very aroused, you're more likely to leak more mm. and make more of this fluid. Um, and so I think some people, for example, you know, with the action of the penis or whatever, then some fluid might collect and it'll, you know, as, as it's moved back, and then it just might sort of pop out. Or you might be able to expel it out yourself by contracting your pelvic floor and releasing it. It's either kind of lubricant juice or it's or it's or it's a weed. Okay. Because <laughs> we don't I mean, these are things where because it gets into pop culture and porn so much, so you don't actually get the voice of common sense saying, girls, you don't have a need a, a reason to ejaculate. So the majority of women don't mm. have prostates, and therefore they will not be producing um, lubricant mm. fluid, as it's in from, from the prostate itself, because 95 to 99 percent of, of of ejaculate in, in in men or people penises is 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 actually lubricant fluid that's come from the prostate. Only five one to five percent is actually the sperm and stuff from the right. testicles. Right. So the pre cum that's coming out is literally your prostate leaking via your penis. That, that and, and 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 so and so it's very different in texture and flavour than to that of an ejaculate, which has got a whole mixture of different fluids that have come out. Do you know what? This all sounds like some really handy stuff that should be in the sex education curriculum. This is so. It really <laughs> shouldn't it. Just, I I used to be a school teacher, and uh, yeah, I I I'm really really like I think it's so important that young people are taught about their bodies because actually, if you, it's, you know, they don't all need to go to biology A level, yeah. right? But actually, if you understand how your body body works then hopefully you're more in control of it and also you can enjoy the pleasure of it more because you go oh I get that actually it's because I was a bit I was a bit anxious and that's why it felt it felt a bit uncomfortable when we had sex next time I'm actually not going to do it when I'm really stressed out or I'm not going to or I'm going to have a bit more control of things and actually that would be more fun if you went back to school what would be doing sex ed what would be the first thing you taught people I'd like to know that there were more fun spots than just my willy Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That sex isn't just about what you do with a willy. It's it's literally not like breasts and genitals. Yeah. There's like a whole, well, even some people don't learn it's breasts, yeah. right? There's a whole like smorgasbord of, of, of fun places that you can you know, enjoy on your body. So that's one thing I think would be helpful. Kind of If we didn't focus so much on penetration yeah. and we just focused on the fun aspect, because actually at, at, at school you're kind of taught like sex bad for two reasons 
One, you're going to get someone pregnant and two, you're going to die of a nasty STI. And if you're not going to die of it, you're going to have this great big warty growth, which isn't that going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's and and so you just end up fearing sex. And the problem with trying to teach a teenager to fear sex is they're not going to fear it. They're just going to have this weird thing about guilt and shame and uh, worry, but still want to have sex. And actually, that all wrapped together is 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 basically feeding the therapy industry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that self help books and you're just like actually recognize the pleasure your body can have recognize that it is you have evolved to enjoy that pleasure so let's talk about embarrassing bodies i thought we had been for half an hour (laughs) (laughs) no that's just mine no 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 not at all and also nothing to be embarrassed about a body that is not doing as it should be for you absolutely just kind of go okay look this is an issue you'd always get go and get your car fixed right yeah i don't know why people aren't just going right well they need to get me fixed and everyone's had a problem. Everyone's had a problem with their body at some point. Like, how can you not? You're not human unless something's gone strange at some point. <laughs> or, like, or, or something you're not certain about. And you're thinking, yeah. Uh, and also, if there's not someone you can ask, I mean, it might be really difficult. Even your cool aunt or whoever yeah. might not be the person to ask this question to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to... I, I was always really surprised because I'd always gone to my GP for sexual function help when I went to the STI clinic and it was like oh this glorious heaven of advice and non-judgment and like you know people saying oh it could be this or it could be that and we'll get you tested and you know that was where I found that I was getting more help for sexual stuff I think one. I think embarrassing bodies is so brilliant for, mm. and why I'm amazed by is the questions these young people are asking. Like I would have presumed, like the first day of filming, I would have presumed like everyone will be behind the screen. They're gonna because you can ask questions in the booth either openly or like with your face shown or with mm. the screen across. And I was thinking, ah, it's gonna be like half and half, or maybe you know, more people behind the screen. After the first day, I think only like three people use the screen. And no. they were asking questions about anal bleeding after too heavy pounding, and like, uh, and for example, uh, how to potentially be pegged. Uh, I mean that, and you're like, great questions, yeah. great questions, and, and and how to deal with a larger than average penis, like how how does that fit in? Or I, I'm actually trying to negotiate sex with the trans partner, and I'm non-binary, and mm. I've not actually had sex with someone with those genitals before. And I'm really attracted to them, but I just feel really scared and I don't know what to do. And I thought, what sensible questions. Yeah. And also, what honesty. What honesty. Yeah. Admitting that you're scared of something is actually really, really sensible because we're all scared. We don't, we, and most of the time we're like, we'll have a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, what if you'd actually had a think about it and a conversation about it first thing? oh, I might need to do this or that, or maybe I want to have a conversation with them about how they like their genitals played with if I've not really you know, had a go at one, one like that before. Yeah, yeah, and it's things that you're, you're going to have to ask anyway, and the world of gender fluidity is an ocean, and it's things that we, we should be taught about, and we should learn about. Yeah. It's, a, it's a brilliant public service. Um, what would be the one overall piece of advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? It can be about the health range. It can be about your bodies. What would be the one thing that you would just like everyone to take home with them? Sex is fun. Don't be scared of it. 
So I've got that on a T-shirt. It's so weird. Well, because there's so much shame, there's so much like there's so many like reference points wrapped around it, and then the the you know the Disneyfication mm. of love, how it's all got to be like high peril and then settle down and then high peril. You know, oh my god, it's exhausting. And then people wonder, oh, there's something wrong with my relationship. Why? Because it's really comfortable and calm, and we just have a nice time and we don't scream at each other. I'm like, that's mm. normal. Like that's not what I get shown. Yeah. But I think that like if we if we but yeah uh, yeah it's, it's, it's sex is 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 fun. If it's something you want to do, please really enjoy it. Yes, there's the potential of an STI. Yes, there's the potential of the pregnancy in the right age group, in the right combination. But most of the time, you're just going to have loads of fun if you're with a partner you're talking to or partners you're talking mm-hmm. to. Oh, and if people want to talk to you, where can they find you? <laughs> <Poor them. laughs> um, so they can find me on, they can more, normally find me on Instagram on dr.ana.nd. Uh, so yeah, they, or, they, or they can uh, they can find me at the Centre for Men's Health if they want to talk about men's health specifically. Um, I, I see patients there. Otherwise, if you're one of my patients, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll see your knee next week or whatever. <laughs> Dr. Anand Patel, thank you so much. Oh. Utterly my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Miranda. Last week, I asked you to send me your medical fetishes, and now I'm scrubbing in to see what obscenity has been left in the waiting room. On Insta, Carrie has said, I always wanted to try one of those mouth guards. You know, the t- oh, I, you know, the mouth guards. And have a dominant boyfriend put one in my mouth before pushing his cock in for a subby, sloppy blowjob. Oh, yeah, I know the type. Yes, yes. When we got a certain board game for Christmas, well done. Don't need to do any product placement here. Uh, the opportunity came up. But it was a bit of a letdown when he scratched himself on the plastic. Oh, my God. Imagine doing that. You put your cock in and and then you scratch it on a bit of plastic. Oh, But Carrie quite rightly says, but I guess that's what you get when you improvise with toys. Yeah, do make sure you get the right proper medical stuff. (laughs) Uh, On Twitter, Alan just says, I always had a thing for women in medical masks. That's not lasted. (laughs) There is too much of getting what you like, isn't there, Alan? Uh, What's the quote? The price of getting what you want is getting what you once wanted. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your little medical fetish has gone out the window, but, you know, it's all right for the rest of us. Uh, Joe slipped into my inbox to tell me this. Uh, They say... I hope this isn't too much. Never, Joe. Never. Nothing is too much. That's exactly what I'm here for. Uh, But they say, I have an intense fantasy about being told to masturbate in front of my doctor like he's examining me. Mm. The sexy thing is watching this older man stare at me from over his glasses. I can picture it, Joe. I can picture it and make notes on what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, how long it takes me to orgasm. It's all very clinical and perfunctory. And sometimes I get a little buzz from thinking that's exactly what's going to happen when I see my real doctor. Is there something wrong with me? (gasps) Joe, no, of course there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, my darling. Turning a completely domestic setting into a scene of filth is total joy embrace it and you know obviously don't ask your doctor if he's gonna you know watch you wank whilst he examines you but it definitely sounds like something you can find a partner to help you out with I'll help you I'll be the old man in glasses watching you have a wank not a problem now you know me everyone give 
me more. Next week, I want to hear about your moments of body positivity. When did you become friends with your bingo wings? How did you learn to love your muffin top? Tell me everything. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Insta or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. And if you want to hear the ones we love, remember to subscribe right now. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And if you want us to keep coming in your ears, make sure you leave a lovely review. In the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week.